one of the judges. So we was going to cheat a little. What do you think has helped you stay so sharp this many years? He got a pistol out, said he wanted to kill a zoop suitor. Rodeo Time, the podcast, is bringing you Wes O'Neill. He is a Texas cowboy legend, almost 90 years old. He's still ranching, just like uh, his, his brother Boots. Uh, we get to hear his story, along with his grandson, Cole Hatfield. Nobody will outwork that man, let me tell you. So we've got a family affair here on the Rodeo Time podcast, uh, brought to you by Rodeo Time. Check out dalebrisby.com for uh, the greatest brand that the world has ever known, Rodeo Time. What kind of guy is J.B. Mooney? J.B. <clears throat> J.B. is, uh, he's a good dude. He's a normal guy. He, uh, he just likes all things cowboys, you know? If he had if if he had time to live another life, I'm sure he would have been a cowboy, you know. But he he dedicated all of his time and his bull to bull riding, and that's what you know, that's what the greats do. They don't have time to, yeah. Also <laughs> also do a another craft and be great at it, you know. He's kind of obsessed with bull riding, but now he's doing. Uh, <clears throat> he trades a lot of bulls. Oh yeah, he's got a place in Stephenville that he built up, and it's an old dairy, and it's huge. Like he's got alleys everywhere, and that lead to an arena and a shoot to work them, and he he buys and sells a lot of bulls. So it's pretty much exactly opposite of a horse trader. How's he ride? He's pretty. He bucks pretty good. Yep. Yeah. So exactly. The harder they buck, the more money they bring. Yeah. Exactly. The less they buck, they don't want them. Do you watch him some? Yeah, yeah. I, when he was at his peak, I, I think he's about the best bull rider I've seen on ranked bulls. Yes, sir. But, he uh, he liked to get on the 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 sure enough bad buckers. So, did you do any rodeoing? Amateur little. Yes, sir. Yeah, uh, I rode a few bareback horses, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> I had better luck in the saddle bronc riding. Really? Yeah, but you know I, I couldn't have made a living. Yes, sir. Just amateur stuff. Was it mostly around Texas? Yeah, it was all right around up there in the Panhandle, Amarillo, Canadian, Clarendon, Pearson, Silverton, Claude, Texas. Uh, uh, Silverton, Dang. Groover. Tell them about the the horse at the JAs that the rodeo company bought that was in your string at the JAs, and then you you and Boots, I think, both drew in one once or twice. All that American hats. You know why? Because I'm an American. I'm not a communist. I would be also wearing their T-shirt or a cap because I'm on a podcast. I got these headphones on, but they don't sell those. All they sell, all they make. Cabo hats, because they're cabos. And if you want to be one, wear an American hat. Me and, uh, we had one that started there at J.A.'s and they didn't quit bucking. They sold him to a rodeo producer. 
Yes, sir. And me and another one, they sold two of them at the same time. Me and Cowboy entered in the bunk riding over there at McLean, you know, and I know old Fang just, we didn't draw him, he just give them to us, but God, <laughs> you talk about Buck. They didn't practice on them or nothing, you know, he just run them in the chute and put a saddle and a flank on them. Lord of mercy, <laughs> talk about getting bucked off. So he was easier to ride at the wagon? Uh, yeah, he never did buck me off out there, but boy, you, he was voted in the top five or six one year at the national finals. Really? Thomas Steiner wound up with him. Morris Stevens bought him from the ranch, and He'd get them good saddle broncs. He'd sell them to the RCA boys. But, yeah, that horse could buck. What'd they call him? Little Tom. When you said me and Cowboy, who? Cowboy Johnson. Okay. Just a ranch cowboy like myself there. Yes, sir. We'd go around, but I've... uh, The biggest rodeo I was fortunate enough to win was Pampa. It was top of Texas, but it was, and I won at Perryton, I won at Silverton, and. There were a lot of bareback riders then, weren't there? Yeah, but I was just, on time I got in the bareback riding, it's when you was eligible for all around. Mm. You know, when you had to be in two events. So you just got on them when you had to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I I wasn't good enough. I couldn't make a real pretty spur ride. But yes, sir. B- back then, you know, the, I've had the Matt Silverton. This one old matter come off and mattered over rank. He'd been killing everybody. And them judges walked up there and said, if you just mark him out and ride him, we give you the bronco. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I done. But after three or four jumps, he just gave up and kind of bucked off down. He's used to throwing everybody first, second jump. And they wanted to see somebody, you know, but amateurs. Did they talk it up, make a big deal of how he was unroading everything? No, he was I, don't getting think, on I don't think so. I don't. That horse wasn't used to somebody staying on him that long. Yeah, I, he didn't know why. When after three or four jumps, you know, he didn't know. And then I drawed him two weeks later at another rodeo, and, and he just crow hopped off down the pen. And he, yeah. He done give up. Man. Um, how old were you, you th- how, how many years did you really rodeo? Oh, a couple. Yes, sir. Maybe part of three. Uh, my deal was working for the JAs. That was 25 miles dirt road out of town. And we worked seven days a week. You could sneak off sometime at noon and get to one, but you had to be back there to go to work the next morning. Were it, you, when you went to those, were you, were you 
Would you have to ride a horse to somewhere to jump in with somebody, or well, were you driving everywhere? It depends. You know, sometimes you'd have to maybe ride where the wagon is camped to where your car was. Yes, sir. And then, but uh, it it and it, you know, it was about ten dollars to enter, and. 50, 30, and 20 was the payoff, you know. Yes, sir. First is 50. Generally had $100 in the pot. <laughs> did you ever Did you ever ride a horse to a rodeo? Huh? Okay. Never did. No. Yeah. Um, so, was it, was it something rodeoing, working for those ranches? I guess they, they didn't really mind you going to rodeos. They never said anything to me about it. Yeah. <laughs> what they didn't know didn't hurt them? Yeah, they... Sometimes. But I, I can't ever remember them yes, sir. saying don't go or not. I don't even know. Oh, you know the wagon boss knew. Yes, and, sir. Uh, but they didn't care. Um... Well, I really would love to just hear the the Wes O'Neill story. I didn't wanna I didn't wanna change the subject off a of rodeo in there for a minute just because I like hearing those stories. But I know you uh, you you grew up and your 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 dad was a cowboy too, right? We come from a humble beginning. He he was a cowboy, and the last year he cowboyed. He grossed seven hundred and twenty dollars. Dang! And there was four of us siblings at that time, and so he left the ranch and went to work for a road construction. They was that was about forty two or something to start right after starting World War Two, and they was building that big air base in Amarillo. Yes, sir. And. He was running a bulldozer and a maintainer up there. I wonder what, how much more was his pay doing that? I don't know, but you know that your friend there, Border used to go over and rope with, what was his name? Hayden Tooley. Yeah, he worked out there. Yep. And he, he said he seen the payroll deal one time and I asked him to get a copy of it. I I wanna see, but he never did. So Yes sir. I they got paid by the hour, you know. Oh yes sir. So it's probably a little more than seven hundred and twenty dollars a year. Yeah. Yeah. Sixty dollars a month. Yes sir. Yeah. 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 And and that's probably not any benefits. Did y'all y'all probably got beef. Or no or were you did you say he was day working? No, he was working by the month. Yes yeah. sir. Yeah, this house is furnished, and I assume probably furnished beef, but we had chickens and milk cows, stuff like that. I don't ever remember being hungry. You yes, know. sir. We just <clears throat> didn't have much of anything else. That is right in the middle of the 30s, you know, the Great Depression. Nobody had anything. Yes, sir. Do you ever remember a time back then where you didn't want to 
Where you wanted to do something other than cowboy? I can't. I don't think there was ever any question what I wanted to do, but that's all. You know, we didn't, living out on the ranch like that, we didn't go to town much. We didn't know there was anything else, I guess, but. Just everybody cowboys. Around where we were, yeah. There's some oil field people there. You know, we knew them, but. And where was this? That was at La Force, up in, up in the Panhandle. Panhandle, right? yeah. Yes, sir. It's about 12 miles this side of Pampa. Yes, sir. I bet you know where Pampa is. Yes, sir. Hmm. Yeah. I grew up in Memphis. Exactly. So. Yeah, I know exactly where Memphis is. Right down the road from, because. Clarendon. When did you go to Clarendon? Uh, I, I left school in the 10th grade and went to work out there where Dad was when we were, when I was born or. Yes, sir. And uh, I, I went to work for that ranch there for a little while. And it, uh, it was a cow and calf, about 500 cow, you know, 56 ranching, I'm guessing, but it, I worked there for a couple of three months, and that, well, maybe a month, and then they moved me down to a batch camp. Yes, sir. Down there. It was a real good house, had electricity and everything, but it's all wood. I, you had to burn wood to, for heat. Yes, sir. And cooking, big old wood cook stove there. But I, I never did get that thing hot enough to boil water. I, was, I hated to put that wood in there because I was having to chop it. Yes, sir. <laughs> but anyway, I got a, there was a, another ranch right up the creek there, river, seven or eight miles, and they had bunkhouse and uh, a cook and all that stuff and I, so I went to work got a job there and moved up there and my job was to wrangle horses of the morning I, that you know it was just small outfit and this is in the winter with feeding but I had wrangled horses and another boy living there. He milked the cows and another one done something else. But we, uh, I'd wrangle them thing way before daylight, you know, and we'd be hooked up and loaded with cake and gone pretty early. Yes, sir. And I was there, I guess, too. For, Three, four, two, three, four months, I don't really remember, but Boots was at the J.A.'s and the 1st of February, he got a hold of me and said, there's an amount of horses open down here. If you want to come down here, it might be better than what you're doing, so. How did he get a hold of you? 
I think he wrote me a letter, but I, I really don't remember, you know, they wasn't a whole lot of communication yes, in them days. Yes, sir. If he, they had a few of them old ranch phones around just party lines, you know, but they didn't work half the time. I'm thinking he wrote me a letter. Yes, but, sir. But I went there. I got there the first day of February 1950. And the wagon wasn't out, but they run a floating crew. They just worked from camp to camp gathering stuff they had missed in the fall, branding a few. J.A.'s was unique. It, they never gathered the bulls back in them days. They had calves coming year-round. So every time you throw a herd together, you had some sorting to do or branding. And right, uh, been there about a, a month. We was at the Hickman, what they call the Hickman camp, in this kind of down in the lower end of the Paladura, but they sent Boots and another boy up to headquarters to start the Bronx, and they got uh, one batch started. They rode them five times. You know, I've heard Boots tell you that. We just two times in the krill, three times outside. But when Ned's pinning the second bunch, his horse fell in, broke his shoulder or something. So they sent me up there to finish them out. Or, you know, I think it's 48 or 50 that year. There's something I've heard, you know, and this is a long time ago, so I don't boots things with getting Fifteen dollars, but I I think it was teasing. I don't. But they took you off in the payroll, and just. But he probably remembers better than I do. But when uh, so when you guys are going from camp to camp and traveling, everything's horseback, right? There weren't trailers really a no, lot. No, no, I never, I never seen a J.A. horse in a trailer or a pickup. Tell, um, or, tell what year you think. Well, it's after I left there in 73. I'm, I'm in 57. I worked there from February 50 to March of 57. Monty fired the foreman there that morning. <laughs> and... I lasted about two weeks left. He brought somebody up there from South Texas that kind of didn't know what was going on. And, but they did they, they he uh the way he cowboyed was a little different than what you guys were used to? Oh Lord. Yeah, I the day I left they'd come in there with they'd quit running the wagon. You know, we was just working out of camps or headquarters, but we was at headquarters. He come in there about 3 o'clock one morning, 
said, we, we need to go over here and round Battle Creek. And Battle Creek's a pasture about the size of Croton. And it's a three o'clock in the evening. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> I totally not believe y'all can do without me. But I left them good terms with Bonnie, though. Yeah. He gave me a horse, you know, just. Did you ever hear how that worked out? Yeah, 15. Well, he didn't last long. Oh, yeah. That guy. 15,000 acres. Was he just naive? Well, I don't know. I, I didn't stay long enough to really know. <laughs> yes, sir. What, but. So you were a fan of the foreman that had been let go. Yeah. Yeah, me and him been, he had been there. He was a range boss when I first went there. And uh, Bill Word was manager. And Bill retired and moved C.H. up. And C.H. Long? C.H. Long. Yes, sir. But... Uh, uh, he was a good, such a good guy, you know. He was on the cover of Life magazine oh, back in 49, and God, he got toe sacks full of mail from women that wanted to come out. He'd just <laughs> bring a sack out there and dump it out, and we'd all read it, you know. <laughs> But long, the kind of guy he was, Lone Star Beer offered him $20,000 a year for a five-year contract to endorse the beer. They said, you don't have to drink it, and he wouldn't do it. Really? Old John Brown, an old 50-some-odd-year-old, C.H. had talked to a Baptist preacher, you know, and he advised him probably wouldn't be a good idea. But John told him, you ought to talk to the Pope. <laughs> talk to a different preacher. Yeah. yeah. Uh, $20,000 in 1950 would go a long way. That was big money, yeah. Big I money. wonder what that'd be equivalent to today. I wouldn't have no idea. Wow, I'll have to do some research. That's interesting. Yeah. And so where'd you go after the JAs? Oh, I messed around a little bit. One time when I was there, me and a cowboy, we got just about through Brandon in Herschel Tipton. He said, let's go to Elko. So I said, let's go. Elko, Nevada? Yeah. <laughs> He'd been there before, but so we left out one evening, made it to Amarillo. We beered up Amarillo, got up the next morning, made it to Trinidad, called Vermejo Park Ranch. We was going to Maybe we could get a job there, but they had just got through. So we went on. We made it to Walsenburg, and Herschel was getting thirsty, so we pulled in. I don't know how long. We 
there, but way up in the night, there's some cowboy rode his horse in the saloon where we <laughs> trying to buy beer for his horse. And they run him out. So we goes on out. Herschel got his pistol out. Now we stopped at a station to do something. Herschel got his pistol out, said he wanted to kill a zoop suitor. Yeah, I, I have no idea. <laughs> he knows about the ass. But and a, the pol a policeman pulled in there and Herschel seen he dropped that pistol in that half barrel of water, they stick them old inner tubes in to see where the leak was. Yeah. And we talked to him a little bit, and he left, and Herschel got the pistol, and we pulled out. We made, the next day, we made it to Pagosa Springs, I think, or stayed all night, and the next day we went on, we got Salt Lake City, and just rolled their bed rolls out on the side of the lake there. It was just two-lane highway then. And <clears throat> got up the next morning, went on in the Elko, checked in to Pioneer Hotel, and that bartender asked, y'all looking for a buckaroo job? And Herschel told me, yeah, we're looking for a cowboy job. So <laughs> <laughs> he, <coughs> he went. He went, uh, the bartender left, just walked down there. In a minute, he come back, and he said, Doge Vaughn pick y'all up here at 5 o'clock in the morning if you want to. And so we took, we was wanting to rest up a day or two, but thought we'd better go to work. Anyway. And uh, so there, we went out there 45 miles north of Elko, to, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of that dang ranch. There was a boy, a guy from Silverton, Texas. Was, he was a Texas boy. He was a wagon boy. And so you got to see a fellow Texan when you got there? Yeah, yeah. Hurst would just work one day. He. This was the Indian guy, right? Yeah, yeah. He. Herschel. Herschel. Tipton, you know, he got head rights from some tribe there in Oklahoma. Good cowboy. I've heard Ed Hashhurst talk about him. Moffitt's was the name of that ranch, but they're out of business now, but it was, they claimed, you know, most of it was BLM land. They had a little bit of deeded land, I think, but how come Herschel only lasted one day? He didn't like it for some reason. And Herschel on the car. So Wes is in Nevada with his saddle, bedroll, and his clothes. No car. No car. <laughs> <laughs> I come back on the train. But. How long did you stay there? Well, we got there about the 4th of July and finished. Uh, Branding about the middle of August, if I remember it right. 
And then they pulled over the wagon over there to some big hay fields and started putting up hay. And it was all horse, horses, you know. My job, run the sickle that cut the hay down. And I don't know if y'all have ever seen one of them. We got a lever on this left side that you push down and raise that sickle up to go over the rocks and stumps. And I'd uh, tore it up a couple, three times. <laughs> Bernie, the wagon boss, said, I've got a couple of two-year-olds here that ain't never been started. You might rather do that. <laughs> Harness that team every morning, more tired up. But so yeah, I did. And <laughs> I started them, and then after after Labor Day, I quit and just caught the train. Rode the train. Rode the train all the way. We went right across the middle of that Great Salt Lake, I think. Like like so, when you caught the train, was it? Like a train for people, or were yeah, you? you yeah, yeah, it was a passenger train. Passenger mm -hmm. train. Yeah. Where'd you get off of it at? Pampa, Texas. But <laughs> I had to change. Didn't you send your saddle ahead of time in the mail or something, and to your somewhere? That saddle maker there in Elko made me a sack, and I. I think I just shipped it on the train, I think. I oh, don't yeah. really remember. But you had to see Yeah. It. But I rode the train from Denver to Amarillo and changed again there on down to Pampa. Yes, sir. And somebody picked me up there. I went right. I'd called Bill Word. He's the manager still in. And, yeah, he said, come on down with fix and start weaning. So that would have been in 58? No, that would have been in 51. That's Oh, gotcha. In, or 52. Yes, sir. Yeah, I think it was 51 when me and Herschel went out there. Yes, sir. Yeah. And so they went back to the JAs? Back to the JAs. Mm -hmm. I got you. So you weren't you you weren't gone long from the two or three months. Yes, yeah. sir. I see. Yeah, we. It was interesting thing. Is where the four sixties had all that lease country up there north Elko. Yes, sir. It was where I was at earlier. Was just a mile north of oh, really? where there was at. So yeah, but. Yeah, I so I got back to the JAs, you know, and I hung around there and made me straw boss, and then the wagon boss left where they made, and I didn't ask for that job, you know. I'm I've never told anybody that I was a good cowboy or a horse trainer or anything, but. They asked me, so I run the wagon a couple of years. How did you enjoy or did you enjoy managing people 
rather than just being a cowboy? It's, uh, that was, uh, <clears throat> that was a little easier than wagging boss at Wagner's. Yes, sir. But they had quit uh, running the wagon, you know, I saw boss there. They pulled that wagon in the fall of 54, Monty said he would never pull it out again because it cost too much to run it. He said it's costing $125 a day to keep it out, but see, most of the cowboys like myself was just drawing $90 a month, so in this probably 15 or 16 of us most time when the, when the wagon was out, but we uh, pulled it in that fall 54 and unhorsed them old horses, drove them down there to Griffin Hills and turned them out, let, let them live out their life. Hmm. Tom and Jerry, they were perchings. Tom and Jerry was the lead team, Match Rones. Dopey and Hyena was the wheel horses. This 150, 200 pounds bigger. Pigeon and Badger pulled the other wagon, the hoodlum wagon with the water barrels and stuff. Yes, sir. But uh, did uh, did you enjoy being a wagon boss? Well, it had you know it had the advantages. Sure did. Of course, you made a little more. I drawed two fifty. Yes, sir. A month, and uh, <clears throat> but wasn't I didn't have near as big a crew as we did at Wagner's, and everybody was right you had to stay there you know it either at the wagon after they quit running it you stayed still had to sleep in tp or bedroll or the bunkhouse and everybody was right there to get up and go to work it's a little it was a little different at wagner's you know even though they kept the first few years we was here, they kept it out year round, but there was a pickup went in every night to headquarters. It had a cardboard or a plyboard box on the back with benches in it. You could most of us had a bedroll at the wagon and a, a bed there in the bunkhouse come in and Take a shower, clean up, or something. But yes, sir. When you're way off, might stay out there two or three days. But it. Uh... Were there? How similar was it to the way the Wagners and the JA operates today, as far as just little things, maybe when you're branding, for instance, like. Where they're still, where their guys, some of them tied off, and some of them would dally. 
or were there was there a certain way that everybody did it back then, like some big differences than how we do it today? Well, yeah, nobody dallied there to J.A.'s. Really? Did I? No. But the, <clears throat> the dragging and stuff's the same, but... Everybody was tied off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And worked outside, mostly. A lot of theirs, they branded outside. I branded outside more Wagners than I did. Cause, but it is just straight wood fire. And, and you just, everybody would hold them up? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yeah. If it's out, if it's branding outside, you, it try to get to a corner, but... Most time at J.A., we put them in a pen. You know, they had grails here, yon and there. But I branded more outside at Wagner's than I ever did there at the J.A.'s. But... Uh, when you branded in the corral at J.A.'s, did they pull the cows off the cows? No. no? I'd never seen that done. Till I went day working four sixes. <coughs> Excuse me. We could have them branded time we could strip the cows off. But they do so much more to them nowadays, you know. Lord, we just, they just give them that old 2CC black leg serum and turn them loose. Yes, sir. If you had your way, would you leave the cows on them now? Yeah. You would? Yeah. I just, I like it better, you know. You, you might want to let it sort a few off if you had a big bunch, but I, I, I like it. It makes them easier to drag to me. Now, maybe kind of. They had to calf up a little bit. They seem like they're not running yes, sir. much. But did you did on either the JA or the Wagner at that time? Was there a lot of cross fences, or was it mainly just big pastures? <clears throat> oh God, it's just big pastures. In that JA's in that number one, there's a hundred sections. Wow. Yeah, you know it's five or six drives in there. And the cattle, you know, are, are, they just run in a certain place. They're creatures of habit. Yes, sir. They stay. But you'd always, like we brand here today, well then brand over here tomorrow, you'd have a branded calf or yes, sir. two in there. Yeah. Just keep working through them till yeah. you get them all. Yeah, and just going on. But in uh, yeah, like that Battle Creek and Pilgrim, they were big pastures. Griffin, same with same with Wagner. They, I bet they wasn't forty or fifty pastures on Wagner's when I come down there. Now then, they's probably over a hundred. Yes, sir. You know, like 
just for instance, that big sack of Wister when I come there, there's five drives in that thing. Dang. And but two drives a day or no, just one a one. day. Yes, sir. But like <clears throat> right across the road from where Cole lives, full decamp that brushy yes, sir. was just one big pasture. Now it's it's got up four or five in it. We run five hundred when I was a wagon boss we had about five hundred cows in there in that one pasture. Yeah. Dang. Same with Long Creek, same with Big Sack of Wester. How long were you at Wagner's? 58 years plus. Wow. Yeah, I was Wagner most 12 years. And then I supervised the horse outfit for 25 years. Yes, sir. And how many months, days, or weeks, however, how many, how, how many of that? Doesn't it take you guys a pretty long time to brand in the spring? Oh, Lord. <clears throat> it took it took a long time, you know. Just as soon as the calves got old enough to start, we'd start. And I know one year there, about the first year I was running the wagon, we was getting around close to the 4th of July. And I asked Tony, I said, you think we could take off and go to Stanford? <laughs> oh, by grabs, we got to get these cattle branded. It's getting late and hot. But he come back around a day or two and said, yeah, if y'all want to go, go ahead. Yes, sir. And go, but it is after the 4th of July. Dang. You know, but... And but that was just one crew of doing it, and that'd be we pull off, do something else, and then rain or something would hold you up a few days, like they are, like we was in. We had the wagon and all our horses, say on the west side, and it come big rain, you couldn't do nothing. You just sitting there, but. Now then, where they just work out of headquarters, they can go, Brad can go any direction. It's generally dry enough somewhere to do something, but. Yeah, you said that this is the first place you ever saw, started using a horse trailer. Yeah, goosenecks <laughs> come in 74, I think, is first gooseneck that was on the ranch, I don't They might have seemed like we had a little old one horse trailer that we pulled around some just to haul wild cattle that we had tied up or something hauled in. But How it, did that change your day-to-day? -day? Or did it much? Yeah, it changed quite a bit, you know. you. You could, where we'd generally catch horses in the morning and then trot or 
long trotter lope to the backside. You could, as you know, we'd just load a couple goosenecks up and haul around there to the backside. Yes, sir. Save a couple of hours to, to that. And the computer and the cell phone was a big, you know, the computers was, the trailers was the starting in the computers. Yes, sir. Come in. That's was a big change, and then the cell phones. Yes, sir. They the cell phones are big help. You know, you don't want to ride up to the herd talking on it. Brad jump on you. Yes, sir. <laughs> but they they're really just another way of communicating. You know, you get having trouble on the drive, or if y'all are just gathering bulls, you call over and say, I found him over here, you know. Yes, sir. Save a lot, save a lot of riding, but. Was there big semi-trucks prior to 74? Is it where, where, when y'all were shipping? Had y'all, or were you still using trains and semi-trucks showed up about the early 70s? <clears throat> No, there on the on the JAs we shipped on the train a lot, but uh, there's a few cattle trucks around, and they sold their calves right off in the cow. Wow! But for and then a couple of years we shipped them on the train, but that. That shipping point was there at Ashtola, that little town up west of Clarendon. And it is, it is just a two-lane highway then, and the stock pens was on this side, the railroad was on the other side. And one year there, we made up the railroad made up a special train, 40 cars, but they, we had 2,000 that we shipped in Medicine, Bow, Wyoming. But the highway patrol and the sheriff, the spur wasn't long enough to pull all them cars across 287. You know, he just backed five or six in there, but the law stopped the traffic till the train could back them cars in there, and then we'd get them loaded. They'd stop them again, pull out, unhook, hook on, took. Kind of an ordeal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I don't, that thing, I don't guess you could do that. Now them old stock pens are still there. Yes, J sir. JAs, they still use them, some just for working cattle. Better. Yeah. So you've seen a lot of changes come through the Wagners, I'm sure, over the course of <clears throat> 60 years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's changed a bunch. Most of them I didn't like. But. My dad talked about how uh, screw worms were a big deal. I, I was 
talking to Boots about it, but <clears throat> really more like whenever they, um, you know, eradicated them more or less. Was that was that a, a, a time frame that was significant? I just I remember as a kid I remember him saying something about yeah. it. Yeah, <clears throat> when they said they was going to do that, I didn't think they could do it. You know that, boy. One time, there, Jay, hey, we just pulled up Brandon and went going back in doctrine worms. They were so bad. Yes, sir. But in the day, anything that had a fresh wound got screw worms. Yes, sir. And if they didn't get doctored, they was dead. You yes, know, sir. They just died. Even when when they were still pretty prevalent, when I come to wagons, you could just you could just run up in a bunch of cattle and throw your loop if you caught something. He probably had worms. Really? You know, was that the only way to check to see if he did? Is catch them or could well, you? you could see them. You know, you, yes, sir. They'd, if they had them bad, they'd be standing out there yes, sir. with the ears down. You bet. But yeah, that's. Tell you a story, Tony. Been he worked there all his life nearly, and he'd been the manager. And one of them A and M, after they had turned a bunch of them sterile flies loose, he he come up there one day. Told Tony we we suspect that. That there's a bull, a stud fly still down there in that cedar top country. We want to see if we can round them cattle and spray them and get him. <laughs> Tony, he said, Tony told him, Hell, fella, there ain't no way we could round them cattle. That he'll just have to die of old age. <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's just. A typical educated guy that thought that we could just round them things and get that one fly they thought was there. Yeah. But that's crazy. Yeah, I didn't. I, I didn't see how in the world they could eradicate them things, bad as they were. But they, they sure did. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. How did that did it did it change much of day to day after that as far as No, it is <clears throat> we just didn't you just didn't have to when they were so bad, you know, he'd have guys riding in doctrine all summer and they they didn't have to do that anymore. They'd just leave the prowling up to the camper and that, that's what I mainly remember is just my dad was talking about how there was one older gentleman at the pitchfork that was kind of grumpy because he's about the experience because he said that those screw worms helped make a lot of good horses. Oh, rope horses, yep. You bet. <laughs> what they doctor them with? Get rid of them. Chloroform and smear 62. I doubt if you could buy either one of them now, could you? Shoot, I don't. I know that 
So I've never bought chloroform, so I know that. <laughs> it would kill them, and then that old black smear 62 just covered the wound up. It'd keep a fresh fly from getting back on them or supposed to. But, yeah, they if they didn't get doctored, well, that is sure... Even like you know, wildlife, deers and stuff like that, get a little fresh blood on them. They probably didn't make it. Yes, sir. Whenever you talk about day working at the four sixes, that was just what what time frame of your life was that? That was twenty fifteen. Oh, recently. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I left. I actually. The fall of twenty fifteen they was go they was going to Montana, Joe and Reggie and the bunch and I don't think Reggie went, but I was still working for Wagner's but I took off and went with them. Yes, sir. And then I actually left Wagner's in the spring of sixteen and went right straight to up there. Reggie's to brand. Yes, sir. And then that fall, I went with them day work, you know, through the fall work. I remember seeing you there. And yeah, that's the first time I met you. Please check out DaleBrisby.com for all your apparel needs. That's where Rodeo Time lives. And if if you want to look and feel like a champion then that's where you're going to need to go, rodeotime.com. Didn't you and Navajo make every trip up north that they went? Yeah. Yeah, and hold him. God, from, you know, the first fall I went, we went to Nebraska, South Dakota, two ranches in Montana, three ranches in Wyoming, in two ranches in Nevada where they had cattle. But I helped Doc the spring of 21. There he, I guess, Phil got crippled or something. Mm -hmm. I just kind of shagged him there for him. But and then here lately, you've been getting a day work with Cole. Yeah. <clears throat> Keep him in line. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to go back. A lot of it I don't really recognize. It's fence changes, fences. Even some of the crails that I use are not there anymore. Yes, sir. They've moved them to a better place or more strategic, but whatever. But some of them are still there though, like golf pins. It's pretty cool that <clears throat> last time you were there you were thirty years old, now you're nearly a hundred. It's yeah, it's uh And when it got slow, didn't your crew build some of them and Yeah. God dang, I'm in the summer, yeah. There wasn't no you know, no worms or doctor or Nothing. Instead of laying everybody off, we'd just 
repair corrals or build some new fence or yes sir whatever just keep the crew together yes sir and now they just the difference you know they just use day workers when you get through they just all leave and I guess it's cheaper I don't know is it is it more or less people to do the job today do you feel like less Yes, sir. Yeah. It's less, yeah. Why is that, you reckon? Well, the cattle are gentler. Yes, sir. And the pastures are smaller. And they've done a lot of brush control in a lot of places, you know. Yes, sir. But it don't take. <clears throat> and the helicopter, you know, he'll fool them in trap a lot of times the day before so it doesn't take as many cowboys to spread out and gather them big pastures. But what percentage of the time do y'all use a helicopter now? I don't know the percentage, but a lot of it just has to do with the weather and kind of how things are going. But he'll, he'll, He likes to gather what we can gather and that thing, he's got so many to, to work that if he can stay, he kind of keeps it out in front of us and having a set ready to work every day, you know, kind of help the, so that it doesn't go into July like he was talking about. Mm -hmm. Calves are big and hot. And then now there's two herds, so <clears throat> when he gets done branding, then he's got to wean the fall calves, so it kind of helps them helicopters stay ahead. Um. And you have, you got multiple crews now too, right? Yeah, this uh, spring he's kind of splitting, splitting up into a few crews to just kind of help help get it get it knocked out before he starts doing the fall. So mm -hmm. the fall calves. So it's worked out pretty good, I think, for him so far. You've been you've been here how many years? In October, we live in this house for two years and. I day worked for him nearly almost a year there once before before they bought this deal. More fun camping or day working? Well, I like my I had fun day working, but I like my family being here every yeah, day. Yeah, probably a lot better with the having your own. Especially house. now the haze can go. And he likes to put out mineral and he likes to go with pawpaw. And a lot of times when we go prowl or something, or <clears throat> like when we were gathering bulls or something, you know, I'd go make a big jerk and then Wes just leads haze around through the pasture and. I usually find more bulls than I do anyway. So, <laughs> so you get to go. It's it, both of y'all. Well, there'll be days where it's both of y'all and Hayes. Yeah, nearly every, all the time. <clears throat> Dang. That's pretty special, huh? Yeah, it's pretty cool. We're blessed. It's, a, it's really a God thing, really, that kind of our trip, mine and Marley's trip, and then, you know, we went and tried that deal in East Texas, and it sure wasn't going to work out, and, Called Brad and him uh, gave me a job and uh, West lives 15 miles down the road, so it's pretty good, pretty cool that him and Hayes can be together every day and yeah. come out here and ride every day. And then Brad lets him keep his horse here, so West's horse here, so it yeah. all kind of works out. <laughs> works out good. Yeah. I'm sure you you've earned a spot to where <laughs> yeah, <laughs> 60 years, yes. 
divine yes. intervention. Well, yeah, we, we will allow you to keep your horse here, <laughs> even though you're just day working. <laughs> kind of yeah. earned a spot at, at pretty much any camp, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, huge, huge blessing. Brad seems like a pretty good guy to work for. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's good. He's, he runs a crew good. He you know he run that thing. I don't know how many years, but he's got a lot of men to – you're talking about managing men. It, was, it should be pretty stressful, I'm sure, but he does a good a good job. Yeah. Him and Tell Brothers? Yes, sir. Cousin, brothers. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Brad Good. Cool. Yeah, I'd, I'd driving down the road the other day and passed him, honking at him. He never looked over. Coming through here. Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> one of the – I was going to say, I've always said, if you're going to cowboy, you accept up front that you're never going to be rich and you're going to be injured from time to time. Yes, sir. But the hardest job on the <clears throat> ranch, the cowboy's wife has that. Yes, sir. Yes, Running errands, pinning the horses, trapping them, doing cooking for the crew. Yeah, pretty isolated too. Yeah, but it's been a good life for me, you know. I, I don't know. I have no idea what I would done if I hadn't have done this. What do you think has helped you stay so sharp this many years? I I have I don't know. I've been blessed with pretty good health, and I've never been hurt. You know, a broke leg and a broke wrist. About the worst things. Yes, sir. One bad knee one time. About mayor kicked me on the knee. That stayed, give me a lot of trouble for. But it doesn't bother me now. Yes, sir. But what about mentally? You think just the fact that you've never quit working. I don't know. Sometimes I question my... But I guess I'm asking for myself, really. I just... <clears throat> I asked him one time, I said, how come you think you're so old and so healthy, still get on a horse good, and just handy, still ropes good, knows where to be and what's going on. And he said he has drank what he wanted, ate what he wanted, Smoked cigarettes for thirty years. He said, "I don't. I think the main thing is is your your stress. How how stressed the guy stays." Yes, sir. Right. Pretty close, you know. You can. Your mental. You can uh, let it bother you, or you know. Yes, sir. What uh, what is is, and what ain't ain't. And, Yesterday's gone and tomorrow's not here yet, so 
take it day by day. Don't, don't worry about things that might have been, you know. Yes, sir. You can't change it, so don't worry about it. That, are there any other, like, just cool, see, so, so that seems like something that you've reminded yourself of through different seasons in your life. Are there any other, like, core lessons, life lessons that, have, that you've held on to through those seasons that you remind yourself of, similar to, like, what you just described? About... <clears throat> Maybe that cowboy has taught you. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> I don't know. I, <clears throat> I can't think of any just off the top of my hat right now. What about how you told me <clears throat> there how you would realign it if you could start over? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that. I put <clears throat> my job first, family second, and the Lord third. But <clears throat> if I had it to do over, I'd put him first, family second, and then the job. Dang. But I thought back when it's all starting and stuff, you know, I I thought that that is probably the most important. Of course, I guess maybe it was when I was still single, but after after married, you know, got a family, still I didn't put them first. I yes, sir. Kind of took care of the job. And what about your relationship with your boss, or just? I mean, having having stayed at Wagner's for sixty years, you had to have you had. I mean, that's a very loyal employee. Can you speak to what it's like working for someone and <clears throat> keeping that relationship going? Well, the boss has changed several times in my tenure. You know. Yes, sir. I was the wagon boss, and I, I wanted to say, Tony asked me if I would, he, they was having trouble. He picked me up one evening and said, I need you to pick these men up in the morning and take this wagon that Johnny, that was the head honcho, he, he said, he called me today and said, I want you to do something about that wagon today. Somebody had been going up there telling him something, you know. I, they were some of the cowboys. Wasn't getting along with the wagon boss. But anyway, I worked for him a couple of years before he died. He was old. When I started, you know, in 63, but in, uh, they had told him 
to pick somebody. He'd been down Dallas, and they just sent him back. So, you know, there ain't nothing we can do. You're, you're not going to live much longer. So they had told him to pick somebody, and he'd asked me to take, just stay with him, you know, and take his position as ranch foreman. But I didn't want to do that. I, I told him, just let me stay. I was, I just uh, thirty years old, maybe or thirty-one or two. I'd, and running the wagon, you know, as whooping and slashing and cowboying every day. And his job, you know, was managing. He's in a pickup. 75 80 percent of the time so I didn't want to do that and so the, uh, he got GL he picked GL up and I worked for G, me and GL worked together for 10 years and then when Mr. Biggs died they hired a, a new CEO or whatever you call him ranch manager and that's when they moved me to whiteface mm -hmm. it was a, you know it was a big shake up and they'd call me in the office that morning I thought we was gonna talk about Line and this was in the summer, and I thought, well, we're gonna. He won't talk about when we're gonna start weaning calves or something. But I walk in there, and he said, "You ain't wagon boss no more." <laughs> so I said, "Fine, what's the matter?" Well, we're just making some changes, and uh, we'd like for you to move to Whiteface take that over so I told him you know <clears throat> that's where all the mares and colts stud horses but there's a about a seven or eight hundred cow resident herd there that went with it and so I told him you know well I'm not qualified to run a horse outfit but they they said they thought I could or would. So that's how I moved to Whiteface. But then that guy, that was in 75, and then he, Dick Yeager, he done some good stuff, you know. He wasn't a cowboy, he didn't. And he wasn't a farmer, but I don't know. He done a lot of mesquite poison grubbing and fixed them, some of the ranch houses up. We got to be, at that time, you know, we wasn't real good friends. But 
we got to be, I got to where I liked him. Yes, sir. And But he, he died in about 90. Another <clears throat> boy, well, yeah, Jim Smith, they took, he, he was just working there. He took Dick Jager's place. He lasted about eight years or somewhere. And then Hawley, another cowboy, took over for a while. But yes, sir. Yeah, I got along with all of them. Yeah. Run the wagon and punching cows. <clears throat> yeah. You've done that for the high road of your family you talk about, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I really didn't. And I... I'd called a guy or two, a rancher too, and you know, that T.O. ranch up there in New Mexico. Yes, sir. They, I knew that guy that had that lease, and he was looking for a, a, a somebody to move up there and kind of ramrod that thing, but I decided to tough it out. Yes, sir. But it turned out all right, you know. I don't have no regrets. Yeah. They had a, Wagner's had a good retirement plan that helped a lot of guys. There. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm, I'm really thankful that I toughed it out. Yes, sir. For, cause uh, most, old cowboys, you know, when they get to where they can't hold up mm -hmm. on the ranch, well, they just have to move to town. They ain't saved enough money to buy a house. And yes, sir. They're just living on Social Security. So they worked all their life living in somebody else's house riding somebody else's horses, working somebody else's cattle. And yeah. they don't pay, you can't save any money on cowboy wages, but it, uh, it's, I think it's a lot better now. I, I think most of those ranches have 401k and- Yes, sir. Insurance and stuff, you know. Even to me, the day workers now they draw, you know, hundred forty, fifty a month or twenty five. But if if you're if you're married, if your wife don't have a good job, kind of supplement, you can't make it. Yes, sir. Yeah, day working. Yeah. Yeah, you sure can. It's, I don't know, we went up, me and Cole went up and helped Tom Morehouse a couple of weeks ago, brand that one day, and they paid us, but we went in Cole's pickup, I don't know, probably how much money it cost to fill that old thing up, and if we'd have blowed out a tire, you know, uh, he would have been in the hole. You know? Yes, sir. 
<clears throat> what uh walk me through uh the year like just kind of your job responsibilities as a camper here oh <clears throat> well i just try to they give you a certain amount of cows to tend to and it's just kind of up to you to make sure they got mineral and and uh He's a camp man. Yeah, pretty much year round. They just pretty much give you a, this camp's thirty four thousand acres, and they pretty much giving you a ranch that you don't own to tend to, yeah. and a place for your family to live. And I just keep the fences up and mineral out. And in the winter, we feed a lot of cake, and you know we just turned bulls out the other day. It's kind of up to you to get that. Them bulls scattered and picked up when you pick bulls up and then and then when it comes time to work your country you just kinda help the wagon boss kinda know where the cattle are, what to do, how to gather them or where you know, just kinda help him out. He ain't been here every day like you, so you ought to know kinda what's going on and what would work and what won't work and they give you a string of horses that are yours as long as you work here and it's kinda up to you to make make something out of them and Got some young ones and try to sell one or two a year or one a year or one every other year or whatever and just tend to them and raise your family. Yeah. Try to teach my biggest deal he was talking about earlier about not getting, we ain't going to get rich, but, you know, if I had a job where I was getting really rich or something or making a bunch of money, then I'd only see Marley and the kids Probably not in the morning, but when I got in in the evening, whatever time that would be. And here, you know, when we're feeding all winter, get up before daylight, and my three-year-old's already gets up with me and mm-hmm. has his apple juice, and I have my coffee, and, and he knows, he knows this camp probably just as good as I do as far yeah. as the roads. And when he's ready to go home, and you turn the wrong way, he knows that ain't the way to the house. So it's a good place. You know, he wants to go all the time, and it teaches them to get up and work, and teaches them to. They see you work and see you getting something out of it, and and Brad's been good to us. He give Hayes a horse, and so he loves riding all the time, and got it fortunate and blessed to have that a good horse for him to ride. That ain't gonna hurt him, you know. Ain't gonna get him in a bind, and it's just it's just nice to be able to take him and and teach him something that he can do something with. It's really. Cody Taylor told me one time, you know, we all come in here naked and we're all going to leave that way probably. So no matter if you're living in your house or their house or your house or whatever, just kind of try to sharpen your walk with the Lord and raise your family to do the do the same. And really don't matter how we all ended out. So just try to keep that on our minds and grow and help everybody and try to make Hayes a little smarter than I was maybe. How many? How long does it take you guys to work this country in the spring and fall? Well, we just started three weeks ago, and I think about three weeks ago. But it'd take a couple months to brand it. But, I mean, this camp. This camp would all just take – right now we're lightly stocked because of the drought last year, but, like, if, if everything's good, this thing ought to run about 1,000 cows. And, you know, you can work about – like he was saying, is all kind of chopped up, but – with the pastures and fences, but 
you ought to get it done in a week and a half or something, a week or a couple of weeks for sure. Yeah, you bet. Dang. Your dad come over? Yeah, he's come some. I think he's going to come again this week, next week maybe. So it gets Hard to get him off the golf course. <laughs> Hard to get him off the golf course? <laughs> yeah. Man. I bet he's golfing full now, though. Yep. Yeah, he likes it. And is that where he built his house? Mm-hmm. Yeah, on the third hole of golf resort deal. Dang. That's special, though, that Hayes, your dad, Wes, everybody's here. Yeah. get to go and do and just to have, a, you know, experience life with. Yeah. Yeah, you can get caught up, and I've done it myself, but kind of learning through some trials and things now, but. You get caught up, you know, wanting so much and wanting more, needing that, needing this, and think you need all that. But if you just starting to kind of see now that uh, having your family and having a good place to to live and work is really means a whole lot more than all the crap you can come up with. There's definitely you ain't supposed to build up build up treasures for heaven, not treasures on earth. Because one of these days we ain't gonna be able to have have nothing here anyway. So being this so close to him has been pretty cool. Been a blessing. It's real, pretty humbling. Yeah, the uh, there's definitely trade-offs. You know, there's people that do get nicer cars and houses and probably a cool vacation. But then, like you said, they don't they don't have those days. They don't have those times. They don't they don't have the mornings. Yeah. But as far as you working with, it was the last. I want to say about seven years, five six. Really, the last two or three, it got even more intense with my dad. The last two, three years of his life, yeah, got to you know be there at the ranch with him and yeah, and uh, worked with him and we buck horses and but those last two years of yeah, of I I value those that time like that gave me perspective on it could be over the time <laughs> you get to spend with your family yeah you know so like. <clears throat> Whether it's you know you and Hayes or you and Wes or you and your dad, like it, it just that those, and you know at the time I wasn't making, that was probably when I made the least amount of money ever in my life. Yeah, and but it's it's the time in my life that I value the most. Looking yeah, back. so yeah, you know losing yeah. your dad, you know that's how making just change pretty quick and uh, yeah. making memory. Yes, sir. Well, we we normally wrap these up with life advice. Do you have any life? Ad- what what before I do that? What lessons specifically, maybe that he hasn't shared? Do you, is there something? That's what I was about to say. And, uh, <clears throat> when me and Marley got married, we moved to Wagner's Cot Camp over there, and then and it was awesome. It was looking back, you know, we always now we're back here, and we're like we should we should stay, and we should. Never left and told Brad the same thing. And yeah, he's like, yeah, but you wouldn't have learned everything. Wouldn't have grown. And but when we got married, it was just like he was talking about, and she's sitting in there listening and knows this. But man, my job was the first thing on my mind. Like I wanted to do everything. I wanted the pins to be perfect. I wanted to ride my horses. I wanted to please my bosses. I wanted to do all that. And she was last, and that was just the way it was. And I think the the biggest thing I've learned is living and and moving and all that, and then working for Brad's taught me a lot of it too. But 
him talking about he's 89 years old and he wishes he could could have done family better. And I think it's it's a blessing because Heath Omby's the manager here and Brad Good's the wagon boss, and they both think that there's not a cow in the place that's more important than your family. And, yeah. And both of them have said that. And it's just after all the chaos and all the BS and all the stupid stuff I've done and, and do to this day, it, it, if we can just. I think the biggest thing I've learned from him is tend to your family, or, you know, walk with the Lord and tend to your family and then yeah. do your job here. Because this camp will be here every day, you know. Right. Just chip at it every day and, and care about it and tend to it like we own it and everything ought to be good. I remember when you were going to Hill College, college rodeo, uh, we both were, but you're uh, – you were you were going to school and you were rodeoing, but then you went to get a job for the school. You were already there, so it made sense. Tending just livestock, whatever. I don't I don't know what all you were doing, but I guess you'd put me down for a reference. A lady called me and said, "We're about to hire. We think we're going to hire Cole Hatfield. What do you think?" And I laughed, and uh, I said, "Well, you'll probably soon find out that." For the job you have him doing that you are underpaying him <laughs> because he's going to work <laughs> his work ethic is going to far exceed whatever value you're bringing him you know in that exchange of value you do this much work for this much pay I said he will beat you at that game every day and uh, whenever I <clears throat> I tell I tell Willie here he checks the videos <clears throat> for new interns when they apply, and uh, I, he, he narrows it down to, like, you know, if we get 50 applicants, he'll narrow it down and bring me the top 10. And I say, don't bring me, and this, this might sound bad, but I don't, I've just had bad experiences with people that walk slow. Yep. And most of the time they also blink and talk slow. <laughs> Thinkers, not there, doers. There may be exceptions to the rule, but I'm trying to, you know, it's a broad stroke of a rule for me. But anyway, the point is when they get here, I've had to tell multiple interns, like, it takes you so long to saddle this horse. And I explain there's your speed and then there's Cole Hatfield's speed. Yeah, a lot of times it gets me in trouble. <laughs> and I, because like staying with you those two weeks whenever we were weaning. I don't know how a man can get up, have breakfast, go saddle his horse and have it in the trailer, do all that, <laughs> go from sleeping to sitting in the truck waiting on me. I don't know how a man can do that in three and a half minutes, but you do it, you know? <laughs> and so, like, I was setting my alarm earlier. The point is, I That's tell you. That's called loving what you do. Yeah. And being efficient. You waste no time. <laughs> But I tell I tell these interns like there's there's your speed and there's Cole Hatfield speed. You don't have to be Cole Hatfield fast, but you need to be somewhere in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, has he always been like that, Wes? Yeah, yeah. He's always been like that. And so was he, he when he was started. Was he? Were you like the? Were you like <clears throat> that well, too? Well, I, I don't I don't remember. That. You told me the other day that you used to, and then you got somewhere in there you. Used Figured out. Usually we're watching guys that be a little smoother. Yeah, that's true, you know. But I'm working on it. 
Well, the reason I bring that up to respond to what you're talking about prioritizing your family is I imagine that you probably, your version of putting your family before your job is probably nowhere near, like it, you almost sound like you're going to like take a break from work or something or just maybe like, it, it sounds like you, you feel like there might be a risk of you're not working that hard. But I imagine you taking just a small break one afternoon to go spend some time with Marley, you've probably far exceeded that exchange of value, in my opinion. You know, like as right. a boss, Brad and Heath, they don't have to worry about you, you know, taking too much time off. You know, like I, I bet you've probably far exceeded their expectations already. And so for you to go one afternoon or here or there, go do this or that with the family, I imagine is your definition of priorities imagine is a little different than most of the general public. I don't know. They're probably way off, but I'm trying to do better. Yeah. I say get up, clean up, and show up. <laughs> That's Everything that glitters ain't gold. Yes, sir. It's sure been a a good life for me. Yes, sir. I can't think of much I'd change if I had to change. Yes, sir. I wouldn't. There's some things, you know, I wouldn't do that I've done, but things I should have done that didn't do, but for the most part, I'd say it, I'm kind of happy with the way my life turned out. That's worth a lot. Yep. <laughs> I, I can't imagine being 90 years old. I feel like if I'm able to say that. Hey, he just now started letting me saddle his horse. <laughs> You, and, and it wasn't because he said, start saddling him. It's because I said, I'm going to start saddling him. Yes, yeah, sir. You'll get there quicker than you think, Dale. Yes, sir. 90 slipped up on me pretty quick. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. Did Did your other siblings, I know I know Boots is still around. You said you, you grew up, there was four of you. There was eight. Uh, finally, four boys and four girls. There was just four at that time. Yeah. There's 80 mm -hmm. all total. Yeah. Were the other six cowboys? Uh, there's four girls. That Cowgirls. A couple of them married cowboys. And uh, Joe is 10 years younger than me. He worked for Wagner's for 50 years. And the baby of the family was, he was a Down syndrome. Yes, sir. Boy, that he, you know, he, he couldn't have made it by himself, but he, uh, he had, he worked at the schoolhouse and yes, sir. stuff like that, just janitor. 
but he lived to be 51 or two yes, sir. years old. It was pretty good life for a guy that had that. But uh, two of the girls are dead. And the other two are scattered. One of them lives at College Station. One lives at Clarendon. Is Joe still? He retired the same time when, you know, Cronky took over the ranch in the spring of 16, and that's when uh, Joe retired also. Yes, sir. But that's, he, Is that when they sold? Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, they, they might have took over first April or something, but it was yes, first of May when I left, or you bet. close to it. I, they had it, I hung around, they was having the horse sale, so I stayed an extra month there, just helped Trace with the horse sale. Yes, sir. And they, I met Mr. Cronky, he, he's a real nice guy. Yes, sir. Real, quiet, he doesn't say much. It was just a good time for you to step back. Yeah, it, yeah, it, uh, I did, I really didn't fit anymore that, because in 2000, you know, after I, they had hired, uh, they wanted to go to an AI, and, and uh, so they, they hired Trace, this guy, to, take over, but they asked me, you know, if I'd stay to help him get his feet on the ground. Yes, sir. And uh, it it's a good thing. I, he's not a cowboy. Yes, sir. You know, he could, ain't no way. He could have saddled up and went and pinned them mares or sorted them or something. How long did you stay after he showed 15 up? Fifteen years. <laughs> yeah, he was good. Did he you stay know? on a little longer? <laughs> Fifteen years later. Well, <clears throat> every time I'd get to thinking, I'd want to go, you know. But I knew then when the ranch sold. But uh, we worked out good with Nanny too. Yeah. House house. One, uh, one story about Tracy. One time there, he said, I'll, I want to go get the mares this morning. <laughs> All right, go get them. Bring them up. It's breeding day. He's gone about an hour and a half. He should have booked. Took about 30 minutes. And he come in, was about four or five. <laughs> I said, well, we're going to have the rest of them. <laughs> he said, well... I don't know where they went. <laughs> so I got his horse and went and got him. But he's, uh, he, did, he wasn't a cowboy, but I guess. Have, have, have cowboys always, have you guys always roped your horses out of a herd to start the morning? Uh, <clears throat> it, yeah, when... 
they still do. Yes, sir. I guess. I don't know. They're in, they might keep them, you know, but when we has had the, the mooded gather, yeah, they... Because there's a couple hundred in there. Yeah. Yeah, you just probably the main point. You can't just walk into 200 horses. Yeah. Yeah, I know. What were some of the big differences that you saw in Elko at that ranch up there? But how gentle the cattle was. You know, coming off J.A.'s, where them cattle wild and run, them dang things there at Elko, you had to drive every one of them. Yes, sir. You, even up on the side of a hill. Yes, sir. You know, down here you can holler at them or something. They'll kind of move them on out. You have to go up there, drive her down. And they spread out further. You, God, they'd catch sections, sections of country on one drive. And they'd be so far apart. But... It is open, you know, except sagebrush. Yes, sir. And they branded head and heeled everything in little bitty caves, you know. They'd neck them, drag them out, and somebody heal them. And, and they all dallied? Yeah, long ropes. But them catalysts. It didn't take near as many men. Them cattle was so gentle. Two two men could hold the herd. Damn. And they might be at a, such open range, they might be two or three reps there, you know, and everybody would have his own brand in the fire. And whoever was necking, He'd call out what brand to go on this, and they'd kind of have everything mammied up so they'd get the right brand on. Yes, sir. But they were so gentle that they just wouldn't run off. And what what do you think the main reason for the difference in the way they flanked calves or didn't flank calves was? What would be the main reason they did it that way? Our tradition, I think. You know, yes, sir. Yes, just tradition, as far as I know, even Bernie was a Texas boy, grew up there. Silverton had got it, made his way out there somehow, but he didn't change nothing. He just went with the way they had always done it. Did you, did you, uh, kind of change it up a little bit and try to dally, or did you tie off? I never did get to drag. <clears throat> Boots was saying that a, a lot of the times back then it was mainly just one or two guys did all the roping. Yeah. So that was the case up there also. Yeah, those, of course, the reps, you know, they, they would rope. Oh, the but, reps would rope. Well, and then I don't ever remember... Bernie, the roping, but that boy that was right on, kind of the 
Jigerboss or whatever they called them up there. He done roping. But when was it that you really got to start roping quite a bit in your career? <clears throat> well, I rope, I drug quite a bit there when I was wagon bosses, J.A.'s. Yes, sir. Yeah. Somebody, Chris asked me the other day if, if I'd ever go drug a hunter or better. And one time up there, J.A. was short-handed. I was the only dragger. We branded 93. Wow. That, that's the most that... I've ever drugged, but Dang. you know, his brain calves is little. Yes, sir. We just had one set of flankers. I bet they started. Dang. <laughs> yeah. And I bet they were all about two feet. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Neck them, one hawk them. <laughs> <laughs> And GL <clears throat> here, GL, when he's wagon boss, he's kind of the guy that started letting all of us drag a little bit. What year was that, roundabout? Well, that, that'd been 60, 61, somewhere. 57, maybe 58, I don't really. When everybody, but, uh, all the day workers started getting all yeah. entitled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the difference. Glad he did it, I would never get the rope. The difference there, we'd go in there and drag 15, 20, 25. We'd just trade with whoever we wanted to. But here, they, you just tell whoever country, and he kind of ramrods it. Just he just kind of keeps up with the rotation of every day, kind of who, yeah. who's whose turn it is. You don't get to drag in your own country. Yeah, that's one rule here. You don't drag in your own country. Kind of like how them guys that put on a bull riding don't enter their own bull riding. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. You need, go, guess, you need to go to the bathroom? No, I'm good. Uh, <clears throat> I'm just yeah, well, thinking, no. you know, men up there at Texas, me and old Monty Holler kind of ganged up there. If you get the rope day trade, we just... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One day there, Reggie said, won't you start the herd, but when you get tired, trade with me. I think he figured out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brother Naughty. Yeah, funny. so at the at the sixes you if you're dragging you pick the guy coming yeah, out. Yeah, you and, just trade whoever you wanted to. With. Is that is that uh and Wagner's too up and cool. I like trading just because like whenever I'll go to Dixon Creek or something, if it's a smaller herd me being like a day worker, you know, you got all these guys that with campers and people that, you know, I like to go in and like, I'll, I remember one little herd, like I'll just go in and drag like two and then swap, you know, because there's some days you can't do that. Some days there's, 
you know, 350 calves. If you drag two, somebody's going to be aggravated. Somebody's going to be aggravated. They got to they got to drag like 27 or 42. Or just that gummy only drug two. Now we got to stop again. Start yeah. over. <laughs> yeah. Well, also. And they're probably thinking the same time. That guy needs a haircut. Oh, yeah. Everybody's thinking that. But also, you don't know how long it takes me to drag two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, but I mean, I don't know. Just uh, give the guys there that are camping that yeah, you know, got a string of horses. And there's there's some days though that you 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 better you got a bigger herd. Like, yeah, you don't if you don't drag eighteen, nineteen, twenty, then somebody's yeah. gonna. Be That's the thing about the here. I remember when I was day working, I. I can't remember that there was maybe, you know, in a good year, this place run like 13,000 cows or a little more. Yeah. So that's a lot of calves to drag. And I remember when I was day working for Brad, my horse was kind of done. It was hot, and there was maybe five or six left or whatever. And I, but I needed to quit him, you know. And that's, he reminded me, you know, he's like, we only, we only got about 13,000 to brand. So if you're done, it's, you're done. It, it don't matter. We'll have plenty of the rope, so. Yeah. That's kind of how I go at it. Yeah. I remember one time up there that somebody showed up and didn't realize he had to trade. <laughs> Boss sent him in there, and he was just like, I don't. So he just rope, 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 <laughs> rope, rope. He's like, I don't know if I can rope this whole herd, you guys. <laughs> you like, go ahead and get out. When well, you, you pick your next man. You know? yeah. He's like, oh, okay, good. Somebody else come get these. Yeah, we didn't know he he knew that, you know. And so it's like, man, he he roped this whole herd. At sixes, I used to swap with whoever I flanked with, so he could get a break. I usually always pick Joe. <laughs> if the boss is available and he wants to ride, yeah, like whoever the boss is that day, that can't go wrong there. Let's make sh- exactly. That's what I feel like. Because <laughs> if the next guy don't pick him, then off. I mean. Boss, if he don't start the herd, he needs to go quick. Yeah. But <coughs> in the early days, <laughs> it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't like that in the early days. These two men done most of it. Tell them about and, that when I, I one day there it was getting uh, late. June or something, and the calves was big, and it was hot. Son had, he was a wagon boss. He had a couple of guys in there that was dragging one about every five minutes. Ooh. And Hazelwood, that was the manager at that time, he drove up and looked. He didn't go to the gate. He just climbed over the fence and said, Son! Get those damn boys out of here. Harper, get your horse and let's get these things branded and get them out of the lot. Yes, sir. But the point was then just pin them and brand them and get them out as fast as you could. Yes, sir. But now I, I like where everybody gets to drag, you know, everybody. Like I've always said, a man will work harder at that than he will anything. At at at, at roping, dra- at dragging, dragging. Calving, you know. Yes, sir. You, but has it always been like that? 
that they would work harder at doing that? I think so. I used to be that way. Now then can't even get me dragged. Yes. <laughs> it no. it sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna my arm just gets so tired. Yes, sir. After eight or ten, you know, it's just right. better for me to just stay out. Well that's the thing for me, eight or ten is probably sixty loops that I threw, you know. <laughs> um is is getting done by lunch here? Maybe you think a big reason why they're so it's so different than northern Nevada. They are that they're not as restricted by the 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 heat. Yeah, could be you know, but but they don't get done by four o'clock when I got home the other day. <laughs> we didn't have no lunch that day. Dang, <laughs> we worked two herds. Two herds either. It was, see, that's what I was going to say when we go about roping, too. I've noticed, like, that day we worked several herds because the rain was coming in. Uh-huh. Wanted to get them done. We had two crews going, so we wanted to get done before the rain so the cattle weren't stomping down a small trap. Just Brad was just thinking ahead of the game, you know. Had to get one herd out of the way for the, the helicopter to put another one in or something, I think, like that. So That's where the trailers and the pickups come in handy, see, because me and, me and Wes and Spur were – helping one crew and then got them going and kind of got the most, the bulk of the calves worked and then we loaded up and drove probably 20 miles or something, 15 right. miles and to another another deal and got there just in time to throw them up, help them work the herd and, and get them branded. So it went good and then it rained a bunch after. So. And you knew you were going to get to take a break in the rain. Huh? You knew you were going to get to take a break in the rain, so working yeah. two herds in a day. <clears throat> yes, sir. Yeah. One end of the world. Yeah. Jimbo Glover says a day of no work because of rain's better than a week's worth of work or something like that. <laughs> Spur who? Spur Hearn. He just moved to the full okay. camp. Cool. Yeah. You bet. Dang. Well, I appreciate you guys taking the time to talk to me. Hope you can make something out of what I've said. We jumped around a lot, but I'm not very good at this kind of stuff. Oh, I think you're pretty good at I'll yeah. <laughs> think of something tomorrow that I wish I'd have said. Maybe something I said I wish I hadn't have said. <laughs> you can, you'll yeah, edit maybe, it. Maybe about the bareback riding. <laughs> That's where I'd start editing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe just a few points in there i'll turn it down but uh yeah that one more story about that amateur there's given a saddle in every event over there to you and a good friend of mine that would cowboy a lot with was one of the judges so we was going to cheat a little. God. <laughs> he said, Gene said, whatever you do, just mark this first and that is two-head deal. Mark him out and make it <clears throat> get to the second horse, he said. I'll mark you so high, you'll have to win that saddle. And 
So we did. I got the first in row, and the second one, son of a buck, bucked me off the first jump. Gene hollered, re-ride. <laughs> God dang. He went down there. I'm trying to think here a while back what the name of that re-ride horse was. But that, that's the hardest I've ever been bucked off in my life. Gosh. You couldn't win and he can cheat. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that thing showed me no telling how high and I hit. I had a big old water sack between my shoulders for a week. Dang. <laughs> yeah. That stock contractor rode up there. He's on his horse. Looked down there. You on another re-ride? <laughs> <laughs> he knew we was cheating. <laughs> Got what I deserved, I guess. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, man. You have to change your game plan. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you having us, letting us stop in. I'm sure everybody will. There's a lot of people that um, <clears throat> would love to have a man like you, not only more in the public eye, but maybe even just running the whole country. <laughs> I'd almost think I could do better than Biden. <laughs> <laughs> you're a hell of a whole lot sharper than he is, and you, you, you're, you're older than he is by 10 years. Yeah. Yep. Well, uh, <clears throat> do you have, like, do you, how do you watch these cycles of stuff that's going on in the world? Like, you seem to have a pretty good attitude. How do you view all the, the bad news that people get? Well, it, it's certainly not the America I grew up in. It's, I don't know, you know, a man wants to be a woman, a woman wants to be a man, a man can have a, get pregnant, have a baby. <laughs> what in the heck is going wrong? Yeah. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's making me want to cut my hair. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? How a man ought to live in the the way it is today, what's gonna to help him the most? Stay the course. Stay the course. Just do what's right. Forget what's wrong. The way we can correct it is at the voting box. Get out and vote them people out. Yes, sir. Yes. Yeah. That'd be my thinking, but I don't know. Yes, sir. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you for coming on, Wes. Hope you can make something out of it. Yes, sir. I'm Dale Brisby, 
Cole Hatfield, Wes O'Neill. We're on to the next one, old son. Pow, pow.